There, is a, there was a 12-year-old girl named Livia who was living in Romania. And Livia was an orphan. And her life was challenging. Her life was hard. And then one day, through Operation Christmas Child, her life changed forever. Now, if you're not familiar with Operation Christmas Child, it's a ministry that we participate in as a church. And it's a ministry where we fill shoeboxes with toys that are appropriate for different age groups, girls, boys, and with a lot of supplies like toothbrushes and toothpaste and different things that people around the world don't have that we take for granted. Well, Livia's life was very challenging. And just to describe some of the challenges, he said, some days our food supply was so low that all we had was a piece of bread that was hard as a rock and moldy. You imagine that? Days where that's all she had. Now listen to what she says. We also wore the same clothes for a week. We had only one toothbrush, which we shared with hundreds, hundreds of other children. Now as difficult as that was, what was most difficult for Livia was the fact that she felt no sense of connection. She didn't feel loved, which is very common, particularly in these kinds of orphanages. They don't have enough people to help, and they're just sustaining the lives of these orphans. In my last church, we had a church that was really committed to adopting children throughout the world. And I was always amazed at, at these older kids that would come, and they were so small for their age. And often it wasn't a lack of sustenance, it wasn't a lack of food, it was a lack of human connection. And they came with all sorts of issues. Listen to what she says. She says, I longed, you know, this is later in her life, she says, I longed for someone's love and warm embrace. And all of that changed. That one day, that Operation Christmas Child came to her orphanage. The people who brought the gifts were American missionaries. One of them was named Connie. And she says that before they allowed the children to open the gifts, they told them about Jesus. Listen to what she said. Before we opened our boxes, they shared with us about people who packed them because they loved us. She said, I was so mesmerized by the word love. And then they shared the greatest news of all, that there is a God. And he gave his one and only son who died on the cross for me. Because he loves me. God made this possible through a simple gift. It sparked so much love, joy, and hope in my heart. Well, Connie and Livia connected. And Connie made sure after she left that she found a family in Romania, a Christian home, where, where Livia could move out of the orphanage and live for a while. And in this home, she met Jesus for herself. She received Jesus as her personal Savior and Lord. Listen to what she said. I wish I had a mega-sized microphone to tell the whole world I had Jesus in my heart. And then two years later, when she was just 14 years old, Connie 
and her family adopted Livia to be their child. Can you imagine how this would have changed Livia's life? To have someone say, I want you to be my child. I want you to be part of my family. I want you to be in my life for the rest of our lives. Can you imagine what that meant to her? Friends, today we're going to see that God is love. I kind of know a little bit about what Livia experienced Because I remember that day when I decided I wanted Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. I remember how it changed me forever. I remember what was so incredible about that is that God would choose me to be part of his family. That I could be his child and he could be my eternal father. That I could be in enveloped by the love of God. I grew up in a, in, a, in a healthy home. I grew up with a mom and a dad who loved me, but there was still something missing in my life. And I met Jesus. And I began a journey that continues to this day and will continue until the day I die of learning what it means that God loves me and that he is a God of love and that he is love friends most of us in this world have a love problem that's the problem that we have have you ever noticed that every culture and and uh, throughout every generation one of the greatest needs that people have is consistent we want to love and to be loved we all are desperate for that why is that It's because we are made, we were created in the image of God. And God is love. And you can fill your heart with all sorts of things in this world. You can fill your life with all sorts of things that this world offers. But until you meet the love of Jesus, until you meet the love of the living God, your life will be full, but it will not be filled. And there will be an emptiness in your life, a hole in your heart that only the love of God can fill. Friends, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be reading from 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. I'm going to read to verse 21. Now, some of you are thinking, wait a minute. We heard an incredible sermon by Pastor Lon on this very passage. This is something that I like to do periodically, and that is to have two different preachers preach the same passage. Because what I want you to see is there is so much more than we really see. There is so much more that God wants to show us. I have been a Christian for almost 50 years, and I have loved the Word of God, studied the Word of God, read the Word of God, And I can never get enough of it. Every time I go back to passages that I think I know, God shows me more. There's always more. And so today, where Pastor Lon focused on loving God and loving others, we're going to focus primarily this morning on what it means that God loves us, that God is love. So 
if you have your Bibles with you, uh, with you, you may want to just follow along as I read. Dear friends, the word there is beloved. Beloved. Man, that is such a powerful word, isn't it? To have somebody who loves you refer to you as their beloved. John is speaking not only on his own behalf, but on the behalf of God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we, love, that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And when we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or a sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this commandment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Well, let's look at what it means this morning that we, that God is love. And that God is reaching out to you this morning, extending his love to you this morning. Each and every moment of each and every day as God lives in us through the Holy Spirit, his love is available to us. His love, he longs that we would experience his love, that we would share his love, that we would encounter his love. So here's the first thing that I want you to see this morning, the first truth which we'll spend almost the entire sermon on, God is love. God is love. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. What does it mean that God is love? What does that mean? Well, essentially what it means is that God by his very essence, God by his very nature is love is perfect love, always and forever. His love is extended to you. His love is extended to me. And he wants us to encounter that love for ourselves in a way that heals our lives and heals our brokenness. All of us have experienced brokenness in our lives. There is an insecurity that resides deep inside most people. Maybe because 
they've been abandoned or rejected or abused or mistreated or disappointed in a relationship. And they wonder, am I worthy of being loved? Will anyone ever really love me? Then we build walls around our lives because we're afraid if anybody gets too close and sees who I really am, they're not going to like me. They're not going to love me. They're going to reject me. I remember when Christ first came into my life, just experiencing this incredible sense of value that God himself would choose me, that God himself loved me, that I had value in the eyes of God, that my identity forever would be the loved child of the king of the universe. And there is nobody in the universe who knows me better than God does. I don't have to hide. I don't have to run because God loves me. It's an extraordinary reality, friends. It's an amazing truth. God is love by his very essence. You see, the world does not define love for us as Christians. You don't define what love is. I don't define what love is. God, by his very nature, is perfect love. God defines what love is. And as we read in the passage, we are to be like Jesus. And we are to love like Jesus. When we look at the life of Jesus, what we see is perfect love in action. Everything God ever did is pure love. Now, I know for some of you sitting here this morning, that's a hard thing to swallow. Because you're thinking right now, you don't understand, Pastor, what I've been through. Where was God? You don't understand what I have lost in my life. Where was God? And there's a disappointment in God and a frustration with God. Friends, all I can say to you is this, and you will hear me say this many, many times. I cannot judge God by my circumstances. I can only judge my circumstances by what I know is always true about God. He will always love and be perfect in his love. And I think, honestly, when we go to heaven and we see this, get to be part of this extraordinary place, in the presence of God as we've never known it before, our problem with God won't be that we lived, didn't live long enough, but that he kept us here too long. Friends, we were not created to live a lifetime. We were created to live an eternity with God, with God who loves us. That is the truth. And in those days when I'm confused, in those days when I'm disappointed, when those days when I disagree with, with God, I live, choose to live by faith. And yet, God, in the midst of my pain, I still believe that you are love, that you are perfect love. Friends, I want to say to you this morning, you have never experienced love like this. Never. Until you meet Jesus, and as you grow, and every day I learn more and more and more about what it means that God loves me and that God is love, I still struggle in my own life to understand the fullness of the love of God and what that means. Friends, you will never know a relationship with another human being like this. Because you see, God's love for you is unconditional. God never says, I'll love you if... He never says, I'll love you when. He never says, I'll love you provided. He simply says, 
I created you. I died for you. I love you. What more could I have done for you? God's love is always faithful. It says in Timothy, though we are faithless toward God, he is faithful to us, for he cannot deny who he is. He is the God who is always faithful. He is the God whose love knows no limits and no bounds. One of the things that I'm learning in my life each and every day as I grow as a Christian is what it means that I'm in relationship with a God who is love. And you know what I find? I can never get to the bottom of his love. Never. There's always more. I can never mine that that tunnel of all that's in there. There's always more that I discover, more that I learn, more that I encounter, more that I experience. And so friends, in this passage, John gives us demonstrations of the love of God. Here's the first one in our salvation. John says this is a demonstration of the perfect love of God. This incredible sacrifice for us. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That we might come alive through him. That we might have life through him. Now friends, I'm a dad. I have two daughters and a son. I love my children. I cannot imagine sending my child into a place where I know they're going to be abused, mistreated, crucified for a people who don't appreciate it. Have you ever thought deeply about what it means that God the Father sent the Son into the world to suffer and die for us? Have you ever thought about the depth of that love? Have you ever kind of put yourself in the position of God and said, could I have done that? Would I have loved that much? There's a a story that some of you may have heard. I heard it when I was still a teenager. I just met Jesus. It's a story about a bridge operator. And the bridge operator, his job was to, when the train came, was to lower the bridge so that the train could go through, and then when ships were coming, he would, he would uh, raise the bridge. Well, one day he brought his son, who was about eight years old, to work with him. And he'd kind of lost sight of his son, and, and uh, he got word that a train was coming. He would have to lower the bridge. He looks out and he sees his son playing in right where the bridge is going to come down and he realizes that if he lowers the bridge, his son will be killed. And he's in a dilemma because the train is filled with passengers, filled with people. And he has to make a decision in that moment, his son or all of these people. Now this never happened, it's just a story. But he makes the decision to lower the bridge, to take the life, sacrifice the life of his own son. And he looks and he sees as the, as the bridge lo- is lowered and the train is going across, the people have no idea what just happened. They're waving to him and they're smiling and they're laughing. 
not knowing that they were seconds from dying as their train would have gone off the cliff and into the, the river below. I think sometimes that's me. Sitting on the train, just laughing and smiling, not recognizing the depth of the love of God that drew him to send his son into the world and to die in my place that I might have life. And friends, there was nothing in me that I saw at the time that was really worth loving. I did not have great self-esteem at that point in my life, great a perspective. All of that came as I grew in the love of Christ and I began to see myself through the eyes of God and not through the eyes of the world. I wasn't the smartest. I wasn't the um, best athlete. I wasn't the um, greatest personality. What I knew was this. God made me who I am and he loves who I am. He values me. He's crazy about me. Now, people get mad at me, people reject me, people do all sorts of things. That's human sinful relationships. But it never changes the reality of God's perfect love for me. Extraordinary. Second thing I want you to see is that God initiates love for us. Listen to what it says. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In other words, he died and sacrificed the perfect Lamb of God, atoning for all of my sins. And then we read in, in 1 John 4 19, we love because he first, he first, he first loved us. God initiated with you, God re pursued you, God revealed himself to you out of love. You see, it was while I was still a sinner, while I was still rejecting God, that God pursued me and gave me the ability to believe. He pursued me with his perfect love, and with his perfect love, he enveloped me into his family. And that's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for you today, to be enveloped by his love in his family. The Puritans used to refer to God as the hound of heaven. Now, that's not in the Bible. A hound is what? A dog, right? So maybe not on the surface, the, the greatest picture that they painted of God. There was an English poet in the late 1800s who picked up on this theme, the hound of heaven, and he wrote a poem about it. This guy was a very broken man. He had made poor choices in his life. But that God pursued him and called him into the kingdom to be a child forever of God. And he wrote this, this, this poem about the hound of heaven. Now, why is that a significant picture? If you know hounds, they are dogs that once they get a sniff or a smell of their prey, or once they see their prey, they are absolutely single-minded in their commitment to pursue the prey, to capture the prey, to get the prey. Nothing will stop them. You can't, you can't discourage them. You can't distract them. They're single-minded. God is the hound of heaven, the Puritans would say. 
who single-mindedly loves us, never stops, never pauses. He loves his people. He loves you. He loves me purely. Here's a third example we see in this passage, and that is God will never leave you or forsake you. I won't say much about this because we talked about it last week, but this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. Remember the Holy Spirit, the moment we believe, comes to live within us. So God is in us. And he says this, he has given us of his spirit. He has given us of his spirit, and by his spirit, he lives in us because Jesus has made us holy. God can now live in this, this sinful vessel because God, when he sees me, he sees me through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. Listen to what it says. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and hear this, and his love is made complete in us. What does complete mean? It means lacking nothing. God didn't just give you a little bit of his love. He has showered you with all of his love. And it completes us. It makes us whole. And as we'll see, it's healing. It's healing. Listen to, to this story, uh, and I picked it up in the Gospel of John, so John wrote this as well. He records this event. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word. Wow. He took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that the boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said, your son will live. So he and his entire household believed. Friends, because we have struggled in relationships over our lives. Because we have been hurt and disappointed, because we have been mistreated and abused and rejected, maybe abandoned, we build walls around ourselves because to be safe, we have to keep people at a distance. Here's the reality. God wants to heal that. God wants you to be able to live in an open relationship with him of trust, of love, and he wants you to be able to live in an open relationship with others where when it's the right people, you can let your guard down and you can be real and genuine and authentic. And when you can be real, genuine, and authentic, your relationships will go to a whole new level. You will begin to experience intimacy as you never have before. There are some of you here today that in your marriage you have built walls and you keep your spouse at a distance because that's what you've learned to be safe. And you are missing the wonderful things that God wants for you. I want to say to you this morning that God heals, that God restores. But the only thing that will restore you is the unconditional love and acceptance in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
There's an old, old Woody Allen movie that was not very popular. It was made in the 70s. It was called Zelig. By chance, has anybody ever seen the movie Zelig? I didn't think so. <laughs> it's a fascinating movie. It's not a real person, but it's done as a documentary about this man named Zelig who is so insecure that he becomes like the people around him. We do this, don't we? So when we're with this crowd, we're this person. When we're with this crowd, we're this person. When we're with this crowd, we're this person. Well, Zelig took it to a whole new level. He became physically like the people that he was talking to. I remember a scene when he's talking with this Jewish rabbi, and as they're talking together, Zelig's skin turns darker, and his, he grows a beard all within about 30 seconds. What made this movie so powerful for me was that the secular movie, not a Christian movie, obviously, they were interviewing the psychiatrist, Zelig's psychiatrist. And they said to the psychiatrist, what can save Zelig from this life? Here's what she said. The only thing that can save Zelig is unconditional love and acceptance. And I want to say to you, you will taste it in human relationships. But the only relationship where you will experience unconditional love and acceptance is at the feet of Jesus Christ. He loves me as I am. But then he keeps working my life to make me more. He never withholds love as a way to change me. His love is constant. It's faithful, it's powerful, it's healing. And so, what's the challenge this morning? Verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. I want to ask you this morning, are you living in the love that God has for you? Have you opened your heart fully to the love of God through Jesus Christ? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time in God's word? Are you spending time just allowing God to love you, to communicate with you, to fellowship with you? Do you do that on a regular basis, just living in his love? Friends, if you don't spend significant time alone with the Lord in prayer, and reading his word. You are not opening your heart fully so that God can make his love in you complete. Don't you long for that? Isn't that what you want? It's what you were made for. It's what I was made for. It's the power of the love of God to overwhelm me, to heal me, to restore me, to set me free from myself. It's beautiful. Something that I started doing at night when I go to bed is I've been listening to the Word of God on um, Alexa. And I, Psalm 119 has always been a psalm that I just love. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And every night, for well, not every night, but a number of nights in the last two weeks, I've just had Alexa read the Word of God to me. 
It's this incredible gift. It's this incredible blessing. And I just receive it. Now, my mind doesn't focus on all 187 verses. It goes off and on. But I just receive it into the depth of my soul. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. And so are you. And then he says, okay, so now love one another. Love one another. But it comes out of the love that Christ has for me. It empowers me to live as Jesus lived. Listen to what it says. This is how love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. I'm not afraid because I know he loves me. I'm not afraid because I know that he's there for me. He said he will never leave me or forsake me. In this world, we are like Jesus. We are like Jesus. I want to close with this. It's an amazing um, survey that I found that shocked me. This really shocked me. It's a survey that was done, a significant survey of millennials. A millennial right now is age 25 to 40. So if you're in that category, you're a millennial. Boy, it's getting older, isn't it? What am I? Uh, What's the one after millennials? Yeah, I'm Gen Z. What? Gen X? Gen Y? X. No, actually, I'm a baby boomer. Shocking, isn't it? I look so young from a distance. But I want you you to hear this. 80%, 8 out of every 10 millennials, and again, it was a large pool, 8 out of 10 believe they are not good enough in virtually every area of their life. Can you believe that? Eight out of ten? Now, there's a lot of things I can't do. But I know that God made me for certain things to do in this world. He empowers me. Not everybody appreciates it. That's just the nature of the beast. But I know that my life makes a difference. And I have value. Because I'm living in God's purpose. Eight out of ten. 75% said that they constantly feel overwhelmed by pressure to succeed in their careers, find a meaningful romantic relationship, meet others' expectations, and maintain a presence on social media. 75%. Jesus can come and he can restore that. He can heal that. To the point where we don't need to meet others' expectations. We just need to live for him. We just need to follow him. And his love is unconditional. He forgives when we fail. Listen to this. Finally, 80% of them said that these worries have negatively impacted their sleep and admit that their overall mental health has suffered. They need the love of Jesus. Amen. They need the love of Jesus Christ. We need to reach them because Jesus will love them. He loved all the people who were on the outskirts of society. He loved everybody, everybody, even the religious leaders. 
But those who will become part of his family are those that would respond and say yes to Jesus and invite him into their hearts. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you. Oh God, that you are love. That everything you do is a perfect expression of perfect love. What an amazing reality. God, I pray for any who are here today who maybe have been running from you, who have never opened their hearts to you. Oh God, would you reveal yourself to them? Would you be the hound of heaven that continues to pursue and continues to pursue until they grow weary and say, I give up, come into my life. Father, I pray for all of us who have built walls around our lives as we allow your love to penetrate our hearts and our minds. May we come, may we come to love you. May your love become complete and may the walls come tumbling down. That we would experience intimacy in our marriages, in our parenting, in our home life, in our work life, in our school life, and particularly our church life. Help us to know what it means that God is love. In Jesus' name, amen.